It's a little extra Lambo. Coming to you live from the South Hill Podcast Studios, Spokane, Washington. I am your host, Kevin Lammerding. And today, yeah, yeah. Today, we've got an awesome, awesome guest. Brand new comedian. Well, shouldn't say that. Shouldn't say that at all. He's been doing it since 2019, 2018, somewhere in there. Uh, Charles Hall Jr. came into the studio and recorded with us. That was amazing. We had a little over an hour long conversation and we talked about sports. We talked about comedy. We talked about him growing up in a military family. We talked about how he got into comedy, how he struggled, came into it, uh, is working his craft, um, is falling in love with it and where he's at today. So check him out on Facebook, check him out on Instagram, Charles Hall Jr. He's a funny man. I went and saw him last night at, uh, he was hosting the open mic night at Spokane comedy club. Um, check out his Facebook page. He has his show times that are on there as well as his Instagram. So check that out. Um, There are a bunch of shows coming up uh, at Spokane Comedy Club. They're always adding more. Things are opening up here in the Washington State. So SpokaneComedyClub.com as well as uh, DeeseComedy.com. Deese posts stuff all the time. He's got something coming up at the uh, Ruby Hotel, and that'll be a fun show. Um, What else do we got? Uh, Little Extra Lambo has uh, a bunch of shows coming up that you are going to enjoy. Um, We also have a special one coming up here in a couple weeks about a pretty big reveal that we're going to be talking about. So I'm excited for that one and excited for the follow-up with that show as well. So I'm excited for that one. Uh, Don't want to give it away yet. I'm going to tease that. I'm going to put it on the oven, make it simmer a little bit. I'm going to tease. So I'm excited for it. Um, what do we got? One pack, two pack baseball card podcast. We've got another show coming out this Saturday. Hopefully you're enjoying that show. That's the third entity of the South Hill podcast studio productions. Uh, do a show of, of, uh, opening up old time baseball cards with uh, new age baseball cards. Um, several shows, um, I've been doing with my son and he is loving it. And, we have more shows to come. Uh, eventually, I'm going to bring in a couple other guys who are sports card collectors. Um, we are just trying to nail down dates, so I'm trying to get that in there too. Uh, just talk about old cards and kind of how they got into it. As you know, is probably the same story as I do, and kind of just the value of cards and where where the trend is going right now. I think cards or baseball cards are taking off again. And that just kind of the benefit, I guess, of, of COVID, everybody staying at home, digging up those old cards that they had in shoe boxes and, and now they're coming to life again. So it's, it's pretty awesome. So that is coming up. Check that out Saturday mornings, um, Spotify, Google podcast, Apple podcast, uh, a couple others. Remember hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, download the shows. That's the easiest way for us to track and then show our numbers to potential sponsors. So if you could do that for us, that'd be awesome. Uh, Hotcast One, we've got some guests lined up to record with. Very excited for that. Very excited. I can't wait to get those uh, recorded and then put out on the air. Remember, that show comes out Wednesday morning. So without further ado, I'm going to bring to you Charles Hall Jr., Move the mic wherever you want to. Is this good right here? That's good right there. You sound good just right off the bat. Perfect. Do you know who Mike Boyle is? Sounds familiar, yeah. He's the the voice of the Spokane Chiefs and the Spokane Indians. Okay. So I've had him on for a Chiefs podcast and then an Indians podcast. And his voice alone, because I I thought his were set up because that's my co-host, Mike. Mm -hmm. He blew me out of the water mm. he was so loud he kind of yeah. backed my voice off so i had to with the next podcast just make sure 
make sure that um, my levels were up yeah. above his. <laughs> so that was a that was a learning experience. But yeah, what a what a guy. He's got he knows everybody's names and he remembers them all. He knows everybody's story, averages, and just a so encyclopedia, yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Uh, so we're sitting here with Mr. Charles Hall Jr. And I first saw you at Drink and Debate, yeah. and that was my first <laughs> one. Um, Drink and Debate, it's uh, interesting because you guys don't know what the topics are until right before you'd go and you come up with whatever side that you're given, you're either for or against. Yep. How do you how do you like that? Uh, it was. I've done improv before, so it was very similar to improv. Obviously, the uh, the drinking part added a little <laughs> twist to it. So does it help loosen you up? Uh, it helps loosen you up, but uh, you can't get too drunk. I, I I think I got a little too drunk. Like I went in there very very prepared, and I actually had to sober up a little bit. But uh, no, it was fun. Um, but yeah, obviously the alcohol does loosen things up, and uh, the comics are great. The crowd was great they were just as drunk as we were so we were all having fun yeah i was sitting in the front row okay uh, so i i you know i was able to interact with you guys just a little bit and then i got kind of brought in on one of the trout fucking a trout or yep. something like that i can't remember exactly what it was but i think that was steve um but no i had a great time watching you guys and that's you know i introduced myself afterwards and then i sent you a message saying hey you want to come on to the podcast so yeah. thank you for coming on absolutely Thanks um you're originally from columbus georgia and yes. now here in Spokane, how did you get from Georgia to Spokane, Washington? So I was uh, born in Columbus, Georgia. Um, my father was military, so I moved a lot. Um, roughly, I rounded up 16 times if you count how many places I was staying and stuff like that. Uh, I spent pretty much uh, eighth grade to about 11th grade in uh, near Savannah, Georgia, a small town called Hinesville, Georgia. Uh, and in my junior year, I moved to uh, Lakewood, Washington, over near Tacoma. Um, and then I uh, played football there my senior year. I uh, got a scholarship originally to Central Washington University to play football. And then I ended up transferring to Minot State in North Dakota. So that's how I got Scholarship to for what? Football. For football. Okay. Yes. Um, so, yeah, after I got done playing football, I uh, was kind of just working working really, um, and then uh, eventually moved back to Tacoma near Seattle, was working out there for a little bit, um, then ended up moving to Texas in the beginning of 2020. Um, the world ended, as you know. I <laughs> uh, went through some things in Texas, and uh, I was trying to get back close to Washington because that's where my kids are at. So um, I have some family in Post Falls, and that's how I kind of got to Spokane. And then here I am. What took you to Minot? I went to school, mm-hmm. went to college in Jamestown, okay. playing for the U. I call it the U because I was just about to say you better clarify <laughs> that. <laughs> uh, so, so in Jamestown, Minot yeah. was in our in our conference. Mm-hmm. Uh, I played baseball for Jamestown. Nice. Uh, whenever I was starting to get into a slump, Minot was right around the corner, and I was always <laughs> able to bust my slump there. So, how did you pick Minot, and what what made what made you go there? So, obviously for football, but I mean. Yeah. So I was, uh, excuse me, I was uh, transferring schools at the time, and I was just kind of looking all over. And as you know, like sports is, it's probably, other than LinkedIn, it's the most networking industry, you know, in the world. You know, it's all about who you know. So I was uh, looking to transfer from Central, just kind of go to a different school, wanted a fresh start. Um, coaching staff was kind of crazy there. <laughs> but um, I actually had my high school running backs coach actually graduated from Minot. So I kind of had it on my radar then I had a teammate from Central Washington who transferred there too as well, and that was kind of like my gateway there. Um, and then they kind of offered me a, a you know a great scholarship, obviously, and uh, it was still D two, so I didn't have to go down in levels. I didn't have to sit out a year, even though I ended up sitting out a year. But uh, at the time, it was just like the you know a good fit. So uh, what position? Um, so I started off as a kind of like a running back hybrid safety at Central, and then I played running back my sophomore year. Uh, when I moved to Minot, I was kind of like a fullback, H-back type of thing. Okay. Um, I went to junior college in Moses Lake. Okay. And then I Central Washington wanted me as well, mm-hmm. chose chose not to, um, just because I didn't like 
the program. I mean, it wasn't bad, but I wanted more than more yeah. than Central Washington. Um, ultimately, ended up in Jamestown, North Dakota. <laughs> so it's like I didn't. I don't think I gained anything there. But you know, yeah. the friends, the playing facility, the Jack Brown Stadium, just the whole atmosphere was. I, I don't regret going there one bit but Absolutely. going from central to jamestown i don't think there's much difference no, at all <laughs> no not really if you've been to either town you, you know exactly what we're talking about what what is your best moment of minot north dakota uh oh my best moment was um i would say honestly it was uh just going a touchdown on my birthday i think that was <laughs> that was pretty cool that's got to be a good feeling uh not at the time they, I, they still do but they actually had a jumbotron so i was like the first time i've ever scored a touchdown and looked up and i saw myself on a jumbotron awesome and i was like okay i'm going pro well not really but i was like <laughs> <laughs> you know you kind of yep you like, i could do this forever you know but um yeah i say that that kind of sticks out you know? okay uh, uh, that feeling that you had right there. I played baseball down in Arizona in, in October. It's mm-hmm. a 40 and over World Series because I'm old. Yeah. <laughs> but it's the spring training field. So at, at Tempe Diablo Stadium, that's their main spring training facility. So when I got up to bat, my name was on the Jumbotron, <laughs> my number there, and I had to step out of the box and go, that's cool. Nice. So I know I know that feeling that you had seeing yourself there. But So, so you left Minot. And then you, what did you say? You came back to Tacoma, uh, and yeah. then you were, yeah. you, were you done there, or were, did you try trying out anywhere else? Um, no, so I actually had a pretty bad knee injury in, like, my redshirt junior year. I had, like, dislocated my knee and um, almost had my leg amputated, which was crazy. Aye. So it was, uh, yeah, I ended up rupturing uh, all four ligaments, so ACL, PCL, LCL, MCL. Done while you were playing? Yeah. And then uh, – What was the play? What was the play? It was – ooh. I think it was like power right. Is that a morbid question to ask? <laughs> no, it's not because every football player has a few plays where they know oh. like what happens. But it was it was like a, a power play, a power. Uh, I was going out to the flats, and the quarterback kind of threw a, a ball, went up in the air, and uh, as I came down, I got hit, and my leg at the time just decided not to come with me. Uh, and then I ended up tearing, yeah, blew up my whole knee, uh, ripped my hamstring off the bone. It was – it was bad, Ouch. and then what made things worse was uh, my wife at the time was, like, nine months pregnant. So then, like, I literally was like, we're getting ready for a baby, and then it's like, okay, I might not have a leg when she comes, but, you know, we're going to get through this. <laughs> we're going to get through this. <laughs> so that was, uh, yeah, that was not a fun time, but that was, uh, that's why I ended up stopped playing. But okay. um, uh, rehabbed, everything was good. Um, I can still run, jump. Not to the same capacity, but I golf now, so it's all good. Okay, how how was golf as uh, a ba- as a baseball player? Mm-hmm. I struggle with golf. I I struggle with it. So my physical therapist actually is the guy who got me into it. So uh, I'm doing rehab, and you know, you get in social media, you get those motivational songs in your head, those speeches. You're like, I'm gonna come back from this, and he's like, No, you're not. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, you're he, not. Was, he was like, Find no, another he, avenue. Yeah, he was like, No, you're not. And then he was like, I'll tell you what, I'll give you a. He's like, I give you a pair of my golf clubs, and I'll teach you how to golf once you're done to rehab. And it was kind of like a goal for me, so that kind of helped me through rehab. And then uh found out I was pretty decent at it. Like, I'm, I'm actually really good at it. I was like, man, I should have played golf <laughs> coming out of high school instead of football. But um I don't golf as much as I used to just because I'm working all the time, traveling and stuff. But um I can easily get four or five rounds in so awesome <laughs> if I really wanted to. I had I had one summer here in Spokane that the Fox station had the – had the golf card mm-hmm. you paid 100 bucks for 12 courses 16 courses 18 holes plus a cart for 100 bucks oh, so dangerous. that was a summer of of nothing but golf that's and dangerous. by the end of it i got pretty decent i still couldn't break 100 okay but for me that i was close i think the best i got was 101 okay. i have yet to break 100 in my in my golfing career i had one round where i think i broke i was i hit a 83 and then I was like, you know what? I could play on tour. <laughs> it's just one. I just need a little bit yeah. more practice, and, and I'm like, ready. And then, like, the next round, I shot, like, a, a, in the 120s. I was like, okay, I, I give up. I'm just going to play this for fun. But that, that 80 brought you back. Mm-hmm. It's always one oh, shot. Yeah. It's always <laughs> that, that birdie putt. It's always that flush hit. It's always it's always that, that one moment in golf that keeps you going because otherwise it's, it's disappointing. Do you do uh, do you play like best ball tournaments or anything like that? For uh, I have before. I haven't lately. Um, there's one I think in Post Falls that my family's 
I think they're doing for their school, so I might do that one. That's where I'm successful. Best ball is the best ball because oh, you only have to have like what two drives, two putts, yeah. two what you know, two fairway shots. <laughs> I'm good with those six shots. I'm yeah. good at least for for 18 holes. So, so I'm I'm good there. And then I bring in a couple <laughs> ringers with me to there you go clean up the the mess <laughs> that I make. So, but no, I get frustrated at golf because as a baseball player, I can have a guy throwing the ball 90 miles an hour at me, and I can hit it anywhere I want on the field. Mm-hmm. This little ball is just sitting <laughs> on a tee, and it looks at me and laughs because I know it's going to end up on that fairway over there, oh, yeah. not on the one that I'm hitting on. So, so you're going to slice. Oh, my God. It's so frustrating. So my dad's like, here, we're going to get you an, get you a oversized driver with a, with a d- d- offset, a three-degree yep. offset. Mm-hmm. That'll clear it up. Nope, it just made that slice even, even more. more drastic. God, I wish I had that slider in baseball. I'd be pretty good. <laughs> Then you're going to aim all the way to the other fairway, trying to get the slice to. <laughs> and then you hit it straight, and yep. that ball goes that way about 400 yards. Yep. Ah, <laughs> oh, so frustrating. And it just messes with your head the whole time. That's why you got to drink. Yeah. No, no. Yeah, we, we do that. I do that well. And then by the time I'm 18, it's like, well, just give me the seven iron, because that's yeah. all I'm going to hit straight. <laughs> so, so my not to, to – so, uh, Tacoma. Or... Kind of, so I guess it's important since it's, we're talking about comedy. So like I uh, went from Minot to I lived in Corvallis for a year, and then we went back to Tacoma. Okay. Um, and then this was like 2018, and that's when I actually like started comedy. Uh, somewhat. I didn't really, I didn't really start comedy till like 2019. Were you were you class clown growing up? Were you? Uh, I just was. Uh, here's the funny thing. guy. I was funny guy around certain people. Like I'm, I'm naturally introverted. Uh, as I gotten older, and you know, it's kind of worn off on me a little bit. But like I'm natural introvert. I didn't really talk much. Uh, if I was with my close friends, you know, I always be goofy or you know, close family. But um, they, they would say, yeah, I'm, I'm goofy. But I never thought I was like the class clown. I was never. I was a really. My dad was strict on me. You know, he's a military guy, so I was like, yes sir, no sir, yes ma'am, no ma'am. Always was on time, always was, like, trying to be the good boy, hated getting in trouble. I, I was kind of like that guy. Um, I didn't really – I knew what comedy was. Like, I was kind of exposed to it, you know, as a kid. Through like, you know, Cat Williams, you see, he was really big growing up, and my family, like, loved him. But I had no interest in comedy until, like, 2018. And uh, <laughs> so the whole reason I got into it was I went to a Kevin Hart concert and uh or you know performance and he sold out the motor center and everything like that and it was you know great show his you know his openers his features were amazing kevin hart came on and killed it and uh, at some point during the show you know i'm laughing and i'm looking over at my girl and she's like gut busting laughing and i'm like you're not gonna make my girl laugh harder than i can like i i can do this shit too um but that's what kind of planted the seed. I was like, I bet I could do that. And then, uh, yeah, about a month later, I did my first open mic in Salem. Were you nervous? Uh, petrified. Petrified? I, I, I did. I mean, I didn't get any booze, but I got a couple of chuckles here and there. It helped because uh, the f- girl who went on before me uh, was doing open mic for the first time, and she peed herself because she bombed so hard. That bad? Yeah. Oh, shit. She, like, had a nervous breakdown, and she peed herself. And then it was kind of like, the guy was like, well... As long as this next guy doesn't, you know, piss himself, then he's a lot better than she was. <laughs> and then that was, that's how I began. Yeah, back in, uh, I think it was like June of 2018. Do you remember your set? Uh, No, I don't remember what I, I knew it was bad. Um, I tried recording it on my GoPro, uh, but I set it for, it was like stop motion. I set the feature wrong, so I didn't even, I didn't even record my very first set. Um. But I didn't do terrible. The guy was like, that's your first time? He was like, yeah. I was like, yeah. And he's like, all right, come back for another open mic. And I think later that year I did like four or five open mics, and then I did like an amateur showcase for the first time like three months later. And uh, this was like probably what, June, July? Yeah, so it was like August, September around my birthday time. I got paid 20 bucks for like 10 minutes, and I was like, this is more than I make hourly. You know, <laughs> like, you know. Um, was it confidence? Is yeah. that It just grew and then – yeah, the so crowd it, notices it, of, of yeah. course. So I, got, I had little jokes. It was just exciting. I guess it was new. It was exciting. So, but uh, after that, I didn't touch the mic for like September to like January of 2019. And then 2019, I was like, you know what? Like people say, I got a talent for it. Let me let me see how far I can take it. And this is when I was in Seattle, 
And then, yeah, just start doing open mics. Uh, first open mic I went to, performed in front of one guy eating orange chicken. And that hit more confidence a little bit. I was like, okay, I built this moment up to like, okay, I'm going to really do this. And then I do an open mic in front of nobody, you know. Did he laugh? Uh, no, he coughed on a piece of chicken, though. Oh. <laughs> that still counts. But, um, but yeah, so I kind of really committed to it. Um, and then uh, January, between January of 2019 and I would say – October of 2019, I went from just doing open mics to uh, I was doing paid featured shows. I had performed downtown Seattle um, for a really big comic. I had an audition with America's Got Talent, like I almost made that show. Uh, and then it was it was kind of like it, everything happened like really fast. And, you know, it went from kind of being like a hobby to like, oh, wow, this is I can really make supplement some income for this. So um, but that was still about. Yeah. So uh, October 2019, and then that's kind of when I start taking a break from comedy a little bit. With your with your dad being a military guy, mm-hmm. being a strict parent, yeah. has he come watch? Has he come watch you perform? Not yet. He Not is, yet. It's funny because my parents. So my dad, he lives in. A, he retired in a Fort Hood, Texas, and then my mom is still in Georgia. And they they've seen some like YouTube videos and Facebook videos and stuff like that. And they're just like, you of all people, like. <laughs> you can do stand up like it's it's really uh it's starting to become more normal now but okay. uh like my mom's like super supportive she's like you're just so natural and and everything like that but uh like a lot of my family is like he's doing stand up like but they're not like like you should probably stop doing stand up they're more like wow like where are they at so most of my family's in Georgia okay um, okay my dad like I said, my dad retired in uh Fort Hood Texas and then uh, I have a sister who lives in Alaska okay um, I have a friend, shush, <laughs> I have a friend, Larry Colbert, he's from Atlanta, okay. um, originally from Chicago, nice. um, military family, so, uh, thank you to your father for his service, um, <laughs> hey, stop it, and, uh, so he's down there, he's a chef down there, okay. and, you know, originally from Chicago, um, what was your childhood like growing up with sports and then mm-hmm. being around your friends and then you mentioned cat williams as an as an inspiration for you yeah. so how does that all how did how did that all kind of build up to where you are today so um sports like i said i moved a lot as a kid like a lot more <laughs> not the most but more than a kid the average kid so like sports was kind of like my only outlet like i said i was quiet growing up Unless I, you know, you got really close to me, then you notice, like, oh, this guy's really goofy. Um, so, like, sports was, like, everything. Like, football was, like, if you ask anyone who knew me growing up, like, I was the guy at the college parties watching game film in the other room instead of out there partying. Like, I was, that was literally, like, my outlet, you know, no matter where I was at, like, I can always feel home on the football field. That's, like, when I had my most confidence. I was good at it. Like, it was you know, like it didn't matter. Nothing else really mattered. So, um, but once football ended, that's when I had to kind of, you know, I think every athlete kind of goes through that whole phase where they're trying to like rediscover themselves because, you know, when you're athletes and especially like student athletes in college, people don't really understand like you, your life revolves around that ball, that schedule, (laughs) that schedule, that waking up 6am, like, and then for me, it was kind of like it ended. So it ended abruptly. Like, out of nowhere. That's the exact word I was just going to use, abruptly. So, it ended abruptly, and then I was instantly a father, because, you know, Mm -hmm. my daughter was born, like, less than a month later, so I'm, like, you know, like, just had a 15-hour surgery. My daughter was born two days prior to that. I'm spending weeks in the hospital just recovering and things like that, and then it's like, okay, now you're a father, now you got to get a job, and it was just like, I didn't know what I was, like, who I was or what I like to do or anything like that, so... Before I even found comedy, like, I had tried so much other shit. Like, I tried to do a fitness page. I got into bodybuilding. I was, uh, tried to be a pro golfer the first year. I <laughs> tried to, be, you know, start a YouTube channel. I was, you know, making funny skits. Like, I was doing, like, I was just putting everything out there just to see, you know, what fit and everything like that. And then comedy kind of came along. And it was like, okay, comedy is fun, but it wasn't really, like, a passion or anything like that. Um, Once I started it in 2019, it kind of went from being, like, an outlet to, like, okay, like, I really need comedy. Um, At the time, I was, you know, I was married, but, you know, we're currently going through a divorce. So it was kind of like, 
this is like therapy for me. You know, this I can talk about all my childhood trauma. I can talk about things I'm insecure about. I can really just put myself out there and, you know, kind of getting that response, that, you know, euphoric response and uh, having the comedy community around you. I kind of found that sense of community again. And, um, yeah, so it's it's crazy how I went from, oh, this is fun to, like, I don't, I can't even see my life without it. What's your what's your travel schedule like? And then does does your uh, kid's mom work with your schedule at all? How do yeah? So we we parent great. Uh, my kids they live in uh, near Seattle right now, so I'll take trips back or they'll come out here and visit. But um, as you know, with the you know the pandemic and everything like that, I wasn't ever sure I was going to do comedy again. So like like I said, I moved to Texas. I moved to Texas uh, December end of December, January of 2020, uh, 20, December, 2019, January, 2020. And I was still doing comedy, but I was like trying to figure stuff out with, you know, the separation and everything like that. And I didn't really perform that much. I was working like 16 hour days. I, I think I performed maybe three or four times in Texas. And then I ended up stopping it completely when the pandemic hit because they just shut everything down. So, um, and then at that time I had kind of was going through some personal things. I spent a little bit of time, you know, home was sitting out of my car and then uh <laughs> when we moved here when I moved here um I had no intentions on doing comedy I was just like uh you know some people during the pandemic use you know the pandemic as an excuse to get out of comedy like oh I don't need to do this anymore I found something else or some people use it to be like oh I'm I've written all these jokes I'm gonna get in the comedy me I was totally out of it I was like I'm not I can't do this anymore like I got all this stuff going on um was it because of the the I guess the stress of getting in front of people or having the material just right or. Well, I developed, um, like I said, some things happened, uh, end of 2019 into 2020, like personal things happened, but I ended up developing, um, a lot of like anxiety. Um, at one point I was probably abusing alcohol. Like it was, it was a crazy, it was a crazy kind of time. I even, uh, spent some time in like the hospital due to anxiety, due to stress, you know, you know, I've dealt with depression, um, and everything like that. So like, it, it was a combination of all those things. I didn't really know if I could do it anymore. I, I was more focused on like trying to get myself right before I even thought about comedy. You know, it's just a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff on, on my plate. Uh, but when they, uh, opened up the comedy club again, I was actually working like two jobs. So this was my work schedule. I had a Monday through Friday, like, you know, Eight uh eight thirty nine eight thirty to five thirty job, uh Thursdays and yep Thursday nights and then Friday nights I worked overnight at Lowe's so those days from like Thursday I would w- wake up Thursday eight thirty a.m. work to five thirty take a nap then work from eight o'clock to six o'clock in the morning take a nap go to work eight thirty to five thirty and then do that one more time so that was my schedule I was like I don't I can't because I don't have time for comedy but um. Well, yeah. Your mind ain't right. Yeah, I was. That's I was, and that you know, if you got to write material, yeah, your mind has to be right. Yeah. So, um, but then, uh, like, so they opened up the comedy club, and then my family here, um, they were just like, "All right, now you heard we heard you were a comedian, you better go," and that kind of influenced me. Um, you know, my girlfriend now she was like, "Okay, like you put this on your Tinder profile." <laughs> you better you better <laughs> you hope you, you didn't need lie. to live up to this one <laughs> yeah so i uh i i went on did an open mic um i wrote a couple new stuff down but i kind of used something i had wrote like a couple months prior or whatever like that and then the reception was like phenomenal i had you know i was connecting with you know the spokane community because i'd never done comedy in spokane before so i start you know connecting with people and then next thing you know i was booked out to like may and june like different shows here and there, but it just kind of it was a lot. It didn't allow me to quit my Lowe's job. Okay, so it allowed me to not have to work overnight. So I was like, okay, I guess I'm I'm really doing this right now. And then you know, confidence was starting to grow a little bit more. And then now it's just kind of like you know, I'm working, but I'm also pursuing this. So um, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. I I just talked to Michael Gladsmeyer, mm-hmm. and I kind of uh, correlated you guys com- comedians with being an indie wrestler. <laughs> you you go out and you throw yourself in front of you know in front of a crowd of three people one night the next night might be 40 people yeah but the passion is still the same you're still learning as you're going up and down the road but it's not an easy run 
Yeah. When you first started, what is what is what have you grown into now and and kind of had to overcome? Uh, you mean like personally or just like per- just yeah personally, personally just uh, being in front of those people and so for me, I kind of leaned on sports a lot. Um, I'm, you know, obviously sports is ninety percent mental. Um, so like with sports, you know, the bigger the crowd, the more you know the rush you feel. But also you're wearing a helmet, so no one really knows who you are unless you mess up really bad, you know. Um, but for me, I think kind of like the the turning point was when I had like transitioned from just doing open mics to doing like showcases in front of, you know, 50, 100, 150 people, 200 people. I had read this thing or I had watched this, you know, video on YouTube talking about, you know, mindsets and everything like that. I think it was uh, uh, Jerry Seinfeld. He was talking about the mindset of comedian. A lot of people kind of go on a comedy show and they see all these people and they're like, how it's a whole room against you. It's like, actually like who's, who has the power like you do? Like, when you're talking, they're in your world. They don't know what's coming next. They don't know what you're going to say. Um, but, like, after hearing hearing that, it kind of changed my mindset a little bit. Because before I was kind of, like, going up, oh, my God, I don't know if they're, you know, like, you get those nervous jitters and you don't know what's going to happen. And then after that, I kind of gradually gained confidence. Like, okay, when I'm on stage, they're in my world, <laughs> you know. Like, nothing's going to bother me here. Like, I, I just... I feel really comfortable on stage now, and I, I think that's kind of the biggest difference from when I first started and then now. That's know? that's definitely athlete talk right there. Yeah. <laughs> um, my ex-wife never understood. When I said, when I get into the batter's box, that pitcher, pitcher has to beat me. Yeah. That's not a cocky thing. That's just a mentality of that's my confidence. I know what I can do against that guy. Mm-hmm. So you – you know, you just saying once you figured out that they're watching me, they're in my world, that's an athlete. Oh, yeah. And that, you know, that's a good draw and a good comparison for you to go back to mm-hmm. to then go forward to, to you know, to, to do your shows. It's funny because, like, like, we'll be in the green room or something like that, and, you know, most comedians are just loose, kind of joking around. I'm sitting here, like, watching uh, 30 for 30, the, the Bulls, <laughs> just trying to get into, like, that game mode mentality, like, oh, you can't touch, you know. So, yeah, like, I mean, having that background, uh, mental toughness, um, it's kind of weird, but it, it transitions. It works. It, uh, you got to have a, as Jerry Seinfeld likes to say, a killer mentality when you go out there. It's a dog-eat-dog world, but um, hey, it works for me. So it keeps me on stage, and yeah, it keeps me going. What did you think of that 30 and 30? Uh, the the, the, the ten ten part docu series. Uh, I loved it. I actually watched it again for like the second time, like last week. Did you yeah. grow up watching the Bulls? Yeah. So right. I grew up. Uh, I grew up watching the Bulls. My family. was How old a, are you? Twenty seven. You're twenty seven. Okay. Yeah. That's a that's a great number. There you go. <laughs> that, was, that was my baseball number. Uh, it was my football number. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Awesome. <laughs> so I uh, I loved it. I watched it when it first came out, and then uh, I watched it again. Like I said, a couple, like a week or so ago, and. It's just Jordan's the goat. I, I mean, I don't want to get into that. This, <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I, I loved it. Like I, I loved it. I loved uh, kind of like the roller coaster. Everyone thinks, oh, they just want it easy. It's like no, there was so much stuff going on, and then obviously, you know, you have Jordan, and you know, he's like a a mythical creature <laughs> in, the, in the sports world. But it was kind of cool to kind of rewatch it and pay attention to a little bit more of the details. You know getting kind of psyche a little bit and uh I'm, I'm a huge jordan fan so it was it was pretty cool it was really cool we uh, uh that was when i grew up um but i didn't know when he left college to then being drafted by the bulls and you know those first few years i didn't know the team struggles and then mm-hmm. him you know his struggle i think that's i started i, I grew up in montana so okay. we had three channels, and if <laughs> if there was a storm over Great Falls, yeah. we had four. So so growing up watching sports wasn't. I played a lot of sports, but mm-hmm. watching it wasn't until we moved to Washington. Yeah, and then that was kind of when when that's. I think that's when the Bulls started getting good, or yeah. the Bulls that we know them as. So I kind of jumped on that bandwagon, I guess. But mm-hmm. I, I was ten years old, and that's. I don't know. I don't think that counts as jumping on a bandwagon. <laughs> I mean, it, it, I think the thing with him and Jordan, why, like, so many people outside of the sport of basketball are kind of fascinated is because, like, his work ethic, work ethic. Like, even in comedy, it's still work ethic. It's not, obviously, like, grueling, 
you know, pushing a 500-pound sled or it's not anything like that, but it still takes practice. It still, still takes times. Like, you got to go to open mics. You got to work on material. I mean, I've, you know, comedians know you'll do the same set 12 times in one week until you get it right. And, you know, people are like, oh, that's easy. You get up there, try saying the same set 12 times over and over and being committed to it, writing things, different things. You know, comedians, it's, uh, it's, it takes, it's a lot to get a joke. This segment is brought to you by Dry Fly Distilling, handcrafted award-winning spirits. The outdoors are calling. They said bring more Dry Fly. Check out their bottles of whiskey, bourbon, vodka, and the canned cocktails, the -the on-the-fly packable cocktails, as well as their merch. Get on dryflydistilling.com to check out all of their amazing products. How (laughs) long do you write a set? How long do I write a set? So, like, like how long, like you, your first time you come out and you practice it or, mm-hmm. you know, it's your first time doing it in front of a crowd. Yeah. Uh, you, do you make tweaks as you go oh, along yeah. to, mm-hmm. to get it to where you want? And then how long until you go, it's just not working? So I try to build my, my sets. I don't like going up telling, you know, one-liner jokes that much. Like I like creating a beginning, middle, and end. So, like, when I'm doing, when I'm building a set or I'm building a, uh, you know, a feature set, 20-minute set or whatever like that, I like I like build on it little by little. So, like, everything that I say now, it's just, like, I started off with a three-minute set. I got really good at that three-minute set, and then I incorporate it a little bit more or add a little bit to it. If it works, you just keep it, add on to it. If that doesn't work, you take it away. So it's it's constantly tweaking, and comedians know, like, you're always trying to, perfect the joke you have a great premise that's kind of like the body of it and then it's the hard part is trying to you know attach you know add more jokes to it um like i said myself i always like incorporating jokes throughout the whole thing so like i may say something like the very first 10 minutes but i might come back to it in the next five minutes and it all connects i like i like that's my style okay but um is that is that freelance or is that is that planned um, it depends. <laughs> or are you reading the room? Read, reading the room, obviously, you know, you do a little bit of improv when you're working the crowd, and sometimes a joke comes out of it, you're like, hey, that's actually, that sounded, you know, pretty <laughs> good. Um, but with me, like, a lot of my stuff, it's mainly, like, personal stuff, um, stuff I experienced and stuff like that. So, like, I always, most of the time it is planned. Like, most of the time when I'm writing, I'll, you know, I'll have a premise, I'll have a joke, and then I'll have another thing, and I'm like, okay, how can I connect this to that? and bring it back, you know, to what I originally said here, just to kind of make it more funnier. Because when I go upstage, I don't like, I want to feel like we're having a a funny conversation. Like, I want to get personal. I want to, you know, be animated. I want to kind of be as goofy as I was to my close friends. That's how I try to think of it, you know, growing up. So uh, it's every, every comedian has their own writing style. Everyone's different. But at the end of the day, the formula is still the same. You got to go out there and get it to work because you can have a great joke and it can be as little things as you're not saying it right. The timing of it, uh, when you say it, how you say it, do you add a F-bomb to it? Do you got to make a face when you do it? It's, it's, a, it's a lot of different things you're working with. It's like, like, for example, I have a joke that I use every single time and it's like an icebreaker. I'll ask the crowd like, oh, hey, where are you from? And uh, I'll say I'm from Georgia. Is anyone here from the South? And I always like I kind of open up with that, especially like in remote places, because I'm either going to get silence, and I'm like, all right, and then I'll you know have a little joke off of that, or someone will say, oh, I'm from Florida, and I'll just be like, Ugh. you know, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like Ugh. you know, just to kind of loosen up the crowd a little bit. But like, there's I like having the conversations, breaking the ice a little bit. Like I want to level with you. I'm not any I'm not any better than you. I just want to have a funny little conversation and share a piece of my life do you have a mentor or is mentors i know that there's other comedians that'll help you along the way but do is there is having a mentor in comedy is that a thing you know it is a thing and i hope somebody listens to this so i can have a mentor (laughs) because the funny thing about comedy is there's no blueprint to this there's no instruction manual like i'll talk to some comedians they're like oh yeah man this guy's my mentor he checks in on me like all the time and i'm like i want to get one I wish I had that. <laughs> I wish I had a. I wish I had a mentor. Uh, but no, I've I've never really had someone I could just uh, like a headliner or a nationally touring headliner. 
Um, I've met a few guys, like Chris Fangiola, he's a great guy. Like, me and him talked a lot. We connected. Um, and we will say hi to each other now and again, but I don't have a mentor. It would be nice to have some. <laughs> do you do you watch your own sets? Do you go back uh, and kind of dissect them like a, like a, you know? That's the worst part of it, yeah. I hate hearing my voice, and I hate seeing me perform on stage. Uh, so I'll go back because usually I'll take, like, the improv clips that I did, and I'll post it on social media, you know, let people know, hey, I'm funny, come to my show, you know. But, um, but yeah, I'll record most of my sets either on my phone or I'll record it. Uh, I'll record – if it's, like, an open mic, I won't record my set, like, visually, but I'll record it, like, audio so I can go back and kind of tweak stuff or be like, okay, this is – they laughed at this part but not this part. But I'm always writing. I'm always tweaking things. I'm always thinking of, okay, well, what if I started off the joke like this? So I'm, I'm constantly working on it, changing things, trying to add something to it and – be a little bit better. Do you do you draw that from your days of playing football? Yes. Because I I used to watch a video all the time. My yeah. hitting it was. They're like, why do you like watching yourself hit? Mm-hmm. It, it's not about me watching myself hit. It's about me getting better. Yeah. It's about making that one little tweak. If I need my hands just a little bit higher, a mm-hmm. little bit back, do I need to keep my shoulder in to wait to explode? Yeah. It's just a, it's just finding those little tweaks. It's not me watching myself. I'm not. My head ain't that big. Yeah. But I'm just tweaking myself to make sure that I'm the best that I can be. Yeah, I, I've always had this mentality of, like, if I want to be successful at something, I got to obsess over it. I got to eat, breathe it, you know. All or nothing. All or nothing. Like, I'm the type of person, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to put them all in it, no matter what. That goes from relationships. That goes to my occupation. That goes to any kind of hobbies I may commit to. Anything I commit to, like, I'm I'm in it. I'm in it. So I'm always – I'm always trying to, I'm always thinking about it. Like I'll be at work and I was like, Ooh, let me write down this joke or, or something like that. I always got it on my mind and stuff like that. So, um, you keep a pad on you. I don't I have my phone. So, you okay. know, yeah, okay. I'm, I'm millennial. We don't write. Okay. You know? <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, so I'm, I'm always writing. And like I said, I did the same thing when I was playing football. Like you can ask anybody, like I, I had the record for the most watched film, and they're like, you just watch the same game over and over. But I was like, okay, and? Like, <laughs> why aren't you doing this, you know? So, um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm always working. It uh, doesn't really feel like work <laughs> when you you know doing something you love. But, um, no, it's it's been great for me. So. Have your kids watched you? Uh, I mean, they're babies. They're, they're, they're in a lot of your acts. They are babies. They're three and five. Okay. So okay. they haven't seen me yet. Um but they, it's cute because they know I tell jokes um, for money and stuff like that. So they're always, like, making up jokes. They're like, Daddy, Daddy, uh, what did the tire say to the road? I'm tired. And then, I'm tired. You know, yeah, so they're always, <laughs> they'll call me and they'll be like, Daddy, I have a new joke. And they'll be like, what did the water buffalo say to the water buffalo? I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. They're like, water buffalo. I'm like, okay. like <laughs> So they uh, – and you laugh because they worked on it. And they, they came out and told you. Absolutely. So I, they, uh, no, they're they're obviously right. <laughs> they write themselves into my life. So you know, it's I cannot not talk about them. But um, but no, they they get it. They're like, oh, daddy tells jokes. They think it's cool. So it kind of makes me feel good it's, and stuff. So, um, but yeah, when they're you know fifteen, sixteen years old, and you know think they know everything, I'm a humble a little bit, right? You know. <laughs> <laughs> that's where i'm at right now oh, yeah <laughs> oh my god it sucks oh yeah so uh yeah I, i'll make fun of them till the day i die and i'm sure when they're of age they're gonna start talking shit about me too so <laughs> <laughs> and they're they're on the other side of the state yeah and you get back as much as you can do yep. you do you try to schedule shows when you go over or is that their time um if i go over to see them it's their time um i'm very adamant like so if i have them in town i will not schedule anything I won't do open mic. I won't do a guest spot. I won't do anything. It's strictly like their time. Um, since things are starting to open back up, uh, like, cause it's only been open since like the end of March, right? Um, yeah. March, April, yeah, so, somewhere in there. Yeah. So like March, April, May, I didn't really have any t- uh, shows in Tacoma or like Seattle or anything like that. But I do have a few shows. Uh, like a, there's like a competition in Tacoma. Um, I think I'm doing laughs at the end of June or something like that. But, um, but yeah, hopefully, like, I can get some more shows out there. That way it's like, okay, I can see them more because they will be right down the road. So I can go for a weekend, do a show on Friday, and then spend the rest of the weekend with them or, or something like that. Did you say you did American Idol? 
or you uh, tried out for American uh, Idol? America's Got Talent. America's Got Talent. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, back in uh, 2019, it was everything was kind of blowing up, but um, somebody I, I think I applied to a uh, applied to a festival or, or something like that, and they said I didn't I didn't get in for some reason, whatever. So, but um, someone sent my information to a producer in America's Got Talent. And then next thing you know, I, you know, getting emails from America's Got Talent saying, we're casting you, we're interested in you, we want to see some sets from you. And I was emailing them, and they're like, okay, great, the producers loved you, like, can we do a different set, though? Like, you know, it was, I was in contact with them, and they're like, okay, well, if you make it to, the, you know, the next round, we'll call you, and we'll fly you out, and then you do a real audition in front of, like, the judges. And I was just like, what is going on? <laughs> and so that was... uh I think that was one of the few moments where I was like, okay, I'm actually... We've okay. got something. Yeah, here. like, okay, I, I might be able to do this. So okay. that was uh, probably one of the, probably the second biggest confidence booster I've had since starting comedy. And that was before COVID. Bec- yeah. So then COVID hit and you're like, shit, this might be it, well, but you were dealing with some issues as well. Well, I was dealing with issues, but like it was, uh, I was in Texas when COVID hit. So Texas didn't really shut down all the way. Because, you know, Texas, they don't, they don't believe in no, no. the vid. God you bless know? Texas. <laughs> yeah, Texas, they were just like, we, we care more about Oklahoma this year. Like, you know, they, like, that's how Texas was. So, um, but no, like, when I was in Texas from like, January 2020 to, like, July 2020, I did a couple shows when I first got there. Then the COVID thing hit, and then most of the comedy clubs, like, shut down, but they were still doing bar shows. And I was Which makes no sense. Yeah, and... I didn't really know anyone in Texas at the time because I live in, I was living in Austin, um, and Austin's a you know huge city now. Didn't know anyone, so I was just like struggling to get on open mics, and then the mics shut down. I was like, like what is going on? And then, like I said, I was dealing with some personal stuff, and at one point, like I didn't have a house to live in, so I was just like, what? I'm not gonna tell jokes when I don't got a roof over my head. Like it's it's tough. So, um, but yeah, that's when I was you know, doing, going through some things, but I had like stopped comedy completely. So like I didn't perform from, I'd say maybe May to like March of the next year. And in the comedy world, most comics struggle when they take more than a week off, like taking a week off. It's like, I mean, if you gotta do it for your sanity, do it, but don't take more than that off. Like you can ask any comic, like once you get on a roll, you don't want to stop. Like once you have a good set going, like you get a lot of laughs you don't want to take more than two, three days off. So you're. Is all... that timing? Yes. Timing yeah. and just the mental focus of yes. being in a, in a, yeah, in front of people. Yeah. It's just like, you know, playing sports, you get in the zone. Like comics have the same thing where they, especially like when you're building, you're young, you're hungry, you build a new set and you finally get a set that clicks. Like everything's starting to line up. Like your jokes are hitting, uh, you know, you're doing great at open mics, you get booked or something like that. Oh, it's like, you want to, you want to keep let's going. Go. Yeah, let's, let's go. Let's milk this cow. Um, so like, I mean, I was in the same boat as everyone else, but, um, but yeah, so like, I, like I said, I took all that time off and then like I said, January, I spent some time in the hospital just dealing with stress, anxiety, depression. Like, you know, I was like, comedy is just like, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'll, I'll get to it when I can. And then, you know, crazier things have happened, but, you know, the world opens back up, and then it was funny, because, like, all the stuff I went through without doing comedy is most of my material now, <laughs> so it's kind of like, okay, I'm turning something, you know, bad into a good, yeah, you know, something positive. I, I want to ask you, but yeah. you were down there in 2020. Yep. What's better football? Is it Florida football, or is it Texas football? Ooh, I mean... Did you get to watch any high school football down in Texas? I didn't get to watch football down there. I, I watched some spring games um, at the time, but they take football seriously. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, when you drive by a stadium, you're like, oh, is that like a D2? They're like, no, that's the high school. You're like, oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh. And then UT is like a metropolis. It's like, I don't know if they're playing football or Superman lives in the press box. Like, this thing is, is freaking massive. Um, but, you know, I'm sticking with Georgia football is still number one. Georgia football is still number one. I'm going to say that. Yeah, they got a pretty good program. It's yeah. always in the national title hunt. Yep. I've got friends who are from Georgia as well, and mm-hmm. they're they're always go go dogs. Yep. I've got friends who are Longhorn fans, so yep. so they're you know they're they're rebuilding right now. But I mean, we're all talking 
who's the best, you know, after after Bama, you know, Bama's. Yeah, Bama's. Um, I mean, I'm. Uh, Clemson's been Clemson's been doing pretty good. Okay, they've been okay. They've been but all right. Well, they hold it as long as Bama That's has. That's what I'm saying. Bama just keeps reloading. They keep reload. Like, where do they find these guys? I don't know. Like, what does what does Nick Saban say? Like, it was I mean, almost like Duke basketball or yeah, Tar Heels or you mm-hmm. know, it's the same thing. Where do they keep finding these guys at, and why are they only going here? Yeah, like they. I think one year they went like ten and two, and they're like, "Yeah, we had a down year." Like what? <laughs> what? That, that some schools hang their hat on that. Yeah, some schools like it's the best year ever. Like man was like, "Oh, it's all right." Yeah. They, they just never seen that. They won a national championship. They don't even celebrate like other teams. Like, like oh, yeah, same thing. We did it last year too. Yeah, so no, we're good. Okay, whatever. Like I think there was one game when Nick Saban was like yelling at. Uh, I think it was AJ McCarron. He was. Uh, they were up by like thirty points in the fourth quarter. And Nick Saban's just cursing them out for like a mistake, and I'm like, these these cats are crazy, man. <laughs> like, that, that's being on a on a on a roll of not knowing the where he's at in the game, I guess. I don't uh, know, but I doubt that with Nick Saban. I'm sure he knows every detail. Oh, absolutely. I would, I would hate to play for him. I don't think I could play for Nick. Stress, Saban. You're talking about stress with comedy. That's got to be stressful. Yeah, like I, I, comedy's easy. Play for Nick Saban, like. I mean, <laughs> like <laughs> Like get yelled at for doing good stuff, like, but it's working. Do you have any goals coming up, or crave eats, drinks, and nightlife? That's our mid-roll read for this show. I just left there, had a bacon cheeseburger, and I had those cauliflower bites I was talking about earlier with the buffalo seasoning and the beer batter breading on the outside amazing 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 i've had buffalo bites before with the cauliflower and they these are so much better you will not be disappointed with these try them out say hello to jacob and the staff uh great food and drink specials all week long happy hour all day sunday as well as a free poker tourney every thursday and sunday uh each winner gets a gift card for crave check it out crave eats drinks and nightlife what are, what are your goals in comedy, and then what shows do you have coming up? I guess I kind of asked two questions in yeah. one there. So uh, I guess uh, you know, long term, short term goal, and what I have coming up. Uh, short term goal, I would like to fill out my schedule, <laughs> but I would love to uh, just kind of network and get to like other parts of the country. Like I would love to go back to my home state of Georgia, do some shows. Um, I would love to go to California. Like I've always, I've never been to California, so I've always kind of had that dream of like, oh, I just want to go to San Diego, go to L.A., and, you know, if I could perform there and get it paid for, that would be awesome. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but that's kind of like my my short-term goals. Long-term goals is, you know, I think every comedian would rather tell jokes for a living than sit at a desk and do a nine-to-five. So, um, you know, if it happens, it happens. If not, you know, I do comedy for personal reasons. It's my outlet. It's my passion. I love laughing. When you laugh, you heal. So, like, I, I'll do comedy no matter what. Um, but if I was able to do it full time and provide for my kids and my family, that that would be amazing. So, um, but as far as shows coming up, um, I'm performing. Uh, so, Nate Jackson is a comedian. Um, I'm not sure where he's from, but he has a comedy club in Tacoma that's really big. But he's having uh, kind of like a regional comedy fest, uh, comedy competition. So that is June 2nd. Um, June 5th, I'm performing in Post Falls. Uh, there's a festival. I forget the name. of it. It's like the Backyard Festival. Um, and then another big one in, I want to say July, I'm doing a, doing some shows in Boise, which is pretty nice. Uh, a couple in Seattle. So yeah, we'll see what happens after that. You had, you had mentioned you want to travel with, with national acts. Yeah. How do you how do you get into a show like that? Like I just watched Josh Wolf this weekend. Yeah, great great show. Um, Stephen, I can't think of his last name. Um, funny guy, but travels with him all over. Mm-hmm. How does a comic get into that position to be an opener for a, a main, you know, a national act? So like just I said, luck of the draw. Kind, well, kind of it's networking. Um, like I said, there's no blueprint for this. So comedy is kind of weird because. Some people make it, 
you got to be funny regardless. But some people kind of get their foot in the door through someone bigger. Like I know um, some people that have done really well with certain like headliners and a headliner would say, Hey, you want to come on the road with me? And then that's how they get their start. They get that experience of, you know, going on the road, they get their name out there. Oh, they travel with such and such, you know, you can always come back. You did great. And then next thing you know, your name's getting out there and then you get in headlining shows that way. Um, there's like the internet comedians <laughs> that have a viral video. And then in that sense, it's not about, you know, who, you know, but Hey, this person's viral. If I put a show, you know, they're going to sell out. So it's like, why, why not? You put seats, you know, you put butts in seats. That's how some people get in. But there's no, there's no blueprint. Like like I said, there's some comedians that do that. And there's other comedians that get an acting role and people recognize that name from acting. And they're like, oh, that guy. Yeah, I'll go watch a stand up. So there's so many different avenues you can, you can go from or get into from stand up. So it's, it's not, it's not one of those things if it's like, oh, how do you do it? It's just kind of like, you know, <laughs> what's going to happen to you, really? You can get an opportunity. You can get a movie. You can get a show. If you've done a viral show, you can go viral. It's just kind of one of those things that it, it's going to happen one way or another. You just got to kind of keep grinding and just yeah. stay positive. My time will come. Yeah. So, I and mean, you've tried vir- you've tried videos, or yeah. you you'd still do videos, not tried. Yeah, yeah. I'm, um, I'm, I like the traveling one uh, <laughs> with the with LeBron. Yes, oh, that was yeah, this a bored day, but yeah, it's like, it's kind of like why not? That's free. It's free. It's like it's content. Not like, it's content. You know, it just takes. I do it because I, I, if I find it funny, I'll do it. Like you know, um, but it literally takes one video. I know a handful of comedians that have just had one viral video they just happen to make that catches somebody's eye espn retweets it or you know some big social media site retweets it or shares your stuff and next thing you know you're getting tons of millions of views you're getting thousands and thousands of followers you have a following now now if a comedy show books you you're going to sell out so they're going to promote you and then that's how you get the ball rolling and things like that so um it's it's a weird industry uh i've never really thought of an industry until i I had interest in trying to do it full time, but it's one of those things where, like I said, there is, there is no book. There is no right way. There is no wrong way. There's literally, there's luck of the draw. There's timing. Like you can do it. You could be at an open mic and a, a talent broker's there. A booker's there. Sees you. You get discovered. Boom. You know, there's your foot in the door. So it's, but for me, I just, keep grinding because i rather <laughs> i'd rather be good at stand-up then get discovered than suck at stand-up <laughs> get discovered and then try to get good at stand-up so i'm just and it's always a fallback for you you yeah. know you try the other thing you know if, let's say you get picked up to do some acting yeah doesn't work out you have stand-up to go back to yeah and um, a lot of shit to talk about if you suck at acting <laughs> <laughs> and then you have your podcast you're, yes. You had you still do it's on pause right now. Yeah, it's on tell pause. us about the two cent podcast. So I originally started it when I was in Texas, and uh, when the comedy clubs, you know, the scene shut down, I was like, I gotta connect with people. That's all it was about. Like I didn't care about the money, I didn't care about you know merch or anything like that. I literally just wanted to talk with people, share stories, laugh about it, talk about social events. That's kind of what my my comedy style is. Like, I get most of my material just from talking to people. I was like, hey, what we said was funny, and then I write it down or something like that. So that's how it started. Um, I was actually recording out of my car. (laughs) So, like, the Wi-Fi signal at the time was over my dad. The Wi-Fi signal was so bad in Fort Hood, clean Texas, that, like, I would drive out in my car to, like, the park. Um, I would set up my laptop. I would hotspot my phone (laughs) just so it's quiet, go to a quiet spot, and I recorded in the heat. (laughs) <laughs> just be sweating in my car just recording it so um and then eventually I started doing it in like the office I was working at at the time but um it was great and then like I said I had to kind of back off of it do some personal things but that's also one of the things like you know hopefully like if I do you know go full-time with comedy I could easily do that from home too as well get the podcast so that's kind of like one of my long-term goals uh to me it seems like that's an easy way to network yes you know you're you go to a show there's what two other comedies there comedians there mm-hmm. hey you want on the podcast yeah and then and then the next show you do there's two more people that you can do an interview with mm-hmm. so I, I think it'd be an easy way to 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 network and get your name out there and yeah maybe it takes off I maybe, mean, maybe. like i said it, 
I never thought of it that way because I like that all I cared about was just connecting with people. Like I, I that's one thing I value about comedy is more than anything else is just connecting with somebody. There's no better feeling than coming to uh, audience member coming up after a show like, oh my god, my mom used to do the same thing, or like, oh my god, when you said that, it just reminded me so much of my daughter or my kids or like, hey man, I, I've been. I've been through some stuff too. Like I've been homeless and all this and that. So there's nothing, there's no better feeling than connecting with other humans. So, I mean, God willing, if it does take off, cool. Great. Great. <laughs> Great. But I mean, like I said, the reason why I do it is there's like, it's completely different. Uh, your first show, you said it was done with your phone. Yeah. That's how our first, me and Albert uh, Garza, we do Hotcast one, which is a sports podcast. Nice. And, our first show was done in my garage with this phone propped up on a beer can, just like this. And we were both kind of leaned over it, you know, got to talk clear and make sure we don't. And we actually had pretty good, you know, we're friends. We've been friends a long time and yeah. we talk every day about, you know, our baseball team or lineup or what we're thinking. So it was just kind of a natural banter back and forth and it sounded okay yeah. sounded like we were in a soup can out in the garage but now you know now we got all these mics and all this stuff but um still not making money so we're still hoping for that one day but yeah. it hasn't deterred us i mean yeah. I, I run three podcasts now do one with my son like i was telling you before yeah, awesome. and then this will go on my other podcast which isn't really sports related although we've talked a little bit about sports so mm -hmm. um I, I have a lot of friends who have that other story other than sports so nice. uh, this will go on a little extra lambo <laughs> and um I, i'm i'm having fun doing them it takes up a lot of my free time to where i'm not just sitting and then eating and you know because i'm a foodie so i love <laughs> i love eating and it takes up that time yeah you're doing a great job with all your <laughs> travels and stuff being yeah. being a foodie because i told you i'd ask you about food yes. what, what do you like to eat where where you where's you get into a town what's the first place you're looking for oh um mexican food is dangerous uh <laughs> mexican food for sure i'm not a i like i'll eat barbecue i'll eat barbecue i'm not a huge barbecue person a lot of people assume that like oh you're from georgia you must love baby back ribs i was like i like them but i don't i don't crave them um, but as of lately, sushi has been, that's been my, my, uh, I just. Where's your spot here? Oh, uh, man. There's actually a place. There's two places I go. There's one in Post Falls that I go. I forget the name of. It's like the only sushi place in Post Falls, but they are amazing. And then I suck at these names, but there's a place downtown. I'm Wave. I think that's it. Okay. Yeah, I had Wave. I think there's two or three downtown, but the Wave's the, the big one. Yeah, the big one. that one was really good, too, as well. So. Uh, up here on the South Hill, we have Azumi Sushi. Azumi. Okay. Awesome. Okay. Awesome Might sushi. Might head there right after this. Yeah, that's, I was like, <laughs> man, sushi sounds really good. Um, but, no, being a foodie, you know, I've traveled all over uh, for work and for baseball. Um, the, the, the best I had, actually, we were down in South Carolina. Um, we had grits and gravy. <laughs> and I'm like, this is, uh, I've had grits all over the place. That yeah. grits I had down in South Carolina, awesome. Awesome. I've never had anything like it <laughs> anywhere else. Yeah, the South, it's, they know what they're doing down there. <laughs> I would, I have a friend that's uh, in Miami, mm -hmm. and I would love to go down there and have some authentic Cuban food okay. or some Venezuelan food. I think, you know, I've been to places before. I'm like, this kind of tastes like Mexican food. I was, you just changed the name on this. I don't yeah. think that's right, but I'd love to go down there and eat the authentic stuff. I, I love all sorts of food, but nice. that's that's kind of my goal, my my bucket list to get down there. I, I'm trying to think. Like, when I moved to Texas and I had some authentic Mexican food, I think that's when I, like, fell in love. I was like, okay, all right. There's a difference. <laughs> yeah, it is a there difference. There is a there difference. Is, I'm like, I used to go there, like, every day, just, like, when you get tired of it. I was like, what? would you want to build a wall to keep this out? Like I was like <laughs> cracking jokes about it, but like, yeah, I'll say uh, Mexican food and sushi is where my heart's at. There was a, a Mexican restaurant in North division, um, across from the target and Applebee's area up yeah. there. Mm -hmm. And we'd go in there and it was Mexican food. Mm -hmm. And then you look back there, there's three white guys making, making the Mexican food. <laughs> I was like, this is not authentic at all. I'm, we ate there once. Okay. So <laughs> I'm, I'm big on the authentic authenticity of the, of the food and where it's coming from. And they did a good job, but mm -hmm. it wasn't what I was looking yeah, for. No, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, what do you want to promote? Well, you got a website, you got Instagram, I got Facebook. my Instagram. Let's do an Instagram. Yeah. That's why I'm really on. Uh, my Instagram is cough drop 27. Uh, so if you guys want to go follow that, 
Um, then, like I said, I have all my other links on there. I'll post my performances. I'll post um, my upcoming shows. And uh, if you guys want to get in contact, link up, connect, anything like that, that's the best place to hit me up. And then your dates, we all add those to the prologue of, of June 2nd, uh, June 5th. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you had another one after that. Do you have a website? Uh, not yet. Okay. Working on it. Okay. So um, I usually just post them on my Instagram. So I'll update okay. it like every week with upcoming shows. And okay. Stuff. I'll get on there. I'll tag that. I'll get the dates on there. Um, thank you for coming on, man. No, thanks I for having appreciate me. it. Absolutely. Um, we're, we're right at that hour mark. So awesome. anything else you want to add on or? No. No, man. I appreciate you having me. All right. Uh, check him out. Um, get on his Instagram. Um, see his shows. YouTube. He's a funny man. Charles Hall Jr. Appreciate it. Thank you, sir.